Hi, good morning. My name is Alistair Caithness and welcome to Boomits on the Blockchain. So we're on to our 56th show in the series. Um, we've got some good guests coming up later in the month. Hopefully we'll get the digital oil and gas expert Jeffrey Can to come in and speak about his new book. We've got a couple other great guests coming in. But in the weeks there's no guests, I'm just going to pick up on the topical news in crypto that's happening this week. So the first article I'm going to bring in straight away, let's see if I can bring this in, I'll make it a little bit bigger to begin with. Okay, so Hong Kong wants to be a crypto hub again. Through the city's regulator has set a high bar for companies to operate at present, the door is open for further relaxation of the rules. So why is that so significant? Well, ultimately, there's been obviously huge changes happening in Hong Kong since they went back from, you know, let's go back in time, essentially British rule back to Chinese rule. There was obviously riots. There was obviously protests about China taking over and more Chinese demands in terms of how they can actually operate. There was supposed to be an economy within an economy, two economy systems, the Chinese originally said it was. Don't know if that's such the case. But ultimately, Hong Kong has suffered from COVID and they've had multiple quarters now. I think that's the third quarter where they've had negative growth. So they've definitely got a recession happening in China and um, in Hong Kong. But Hong Kong was seen as one of the global hubs for the financial institutions in the world. So that was one, you know, if you thought internationally, you think of London, you think of New York, you think of Singapore, you think of Hong Kong, and now you think of Dubai as maybe the five key international hubs in the world in terms of finance. But ultimately, what's happening in Hong Kong has stopped this, but now things are starting to change. Now, they're looking to, well, ultimately, if you want to invest in Bitcoin or cryptocurrency in Hong Kong, you've got to be a high net worth investor in Hong Kong. So that means you have to have essentially a net worth of over a million dollars. So, you know, that's a huge net worth or essentially money you've got to have in the bank to be able to go into crypto. What they're wanting to do is to bring more regulation into the market space and allow retail investment to come into this. So, you know, Hong Kong understands that, you know, cryptocurrency, blockchain, fintech, all this new technology into digitization is happening. The question is, will they be left behind by not adopting this? Now, China, we'll speak about China shortly. They've taken an approach whereby, you know, they're not wanting to get involved in Bitcoin. They're starting to put some regulations in terms of Bitcoin mining that's happening out in China. And because Hong Kong's been governed by China, essentially they're having to follow suit with the same rules. But because it's a financial hub, and then ultimately, if you think of blockchain and digitization, yes, you get these negative press articles coming out about China, but ultimately China really is leading the way in terms of digitization as well. So Hong Kong is trying to position itself to become this leading crypto hub. Now, the advantages of a place like Hong Kong have over somewhere like New York in the U.S. is the adoption of the technology can happen so much faster. So because the U.S. is still the leading currency, you know, the, the dollar in terms of a reserve currency across the world, 
up until 2010 was about 71% of the world's reserve currency was the dollar. This is now down around about 59%. So in 10 years, it's dropped a huge amount. So therefore, the US is still slow in terms of are we going to adopt digitization in Bitcoin and crypto because we've already got the premier currency out in the market space and this is the fiat currency. The difference really with what's happening out in Hong Kong is they now see fintech and digitization coming up all across the world. They're seeing all these other countries doing it. And again, they've already got two or three uh, crypto exchanges able to operate there. They've got a, a tokenization platform so they can actually trade security tokens out there in the same way as the likes of Securitize and uh, other key ATSs like Rialto Markets are able to do in the US. So you can actually trade securities out there as well on token exchanges. So these technologies are happening there. What they're essentially wanting to do is to bring more regulation and regulate these exchanges and future exchanges in the same way they regulate traditional market space and therefore open it up to full retail investment and make uh, Hong Kong the, the crypto hub in the world. We spoke about London with Rishi Sunak wanting London to be the future crypto hub. There's France. They're looking for Paris to be a crypto hub. And now Hong Kong. So every week we're going to see more and more of these major financial infrastructure cities coming out there and saying, we want to be a crypto hub. So if people think crypto is just a flash in the pan, it's just certainly not the case. And what's going to happen is it's just going to start to speed up in terms of what's happening in the market space. So this will bring me into our next story what I want to speak about today is that we'll bring this up here. And this is this is interesting because we're speaking about the, the China's digital yen. And this is in Reuters. So Reuters is one of my favorite websites out there. It's a great website and ultimately to set up to get alerts from. They've got a great um, journalists who actually report back for them as well. And there's EY with a nice big advert. So, you know, G China's digital yen stands out in cross-border pilot in a show of global ambition. So we'll just read the first couple of parts of this. China's digital yen took the center stage in the world's largest cross-border central bank digital currency, the CBDC, trial to date. A report showed pointing to how Beijing is speeding up yang globalization efforts amid rising geopolitical tensions. China's digital currency, or the ECNY, was the most issued and actively transacted token in the 22 million pilot that was used in the CBDCs to settle cross-border trades, a Bank of International Settlements reported. So now we're getting these reports coming out of what's actually happening across the world in terms of central digital currencies. So we spoke about it last week in terms of you know, the U.S. wants to set up a central digital currency. They want to set one up with the World Bank. The U.K., everyone's wanting the different governments to set up these central digital currencies where they'll be able to actually control, you know, ultimately more of the movement of the currencies themselves, control of the currencies, control of you at home can actually how you spend this money. So as we said before, if you are on any sort of government assistance, and you start receiving this new central digital currency, in the US it'd be the digital dollar. If you start receiving the digital dollar, the government can control where you can actually spend that digital dollar and they can track it more. What's interesting about the digital yen is 
that we've just written a white paper in the US. In the UK, they've written white papers. Now all the financial institutions are writing white papers. You've got people there talking about this fear of this, you know, central digital currencies coming in and how they're going to control this. The difference really what's happening in China with the digital yen is they've seen the digital yen as their opportunity to actually bypass the dollar. So you might think, well, wait a minute, we use the dollar. So every country you could go in the world right now, they will accept the dollar as a currency. Probably not Russia, but in the black market, they'll definitely accept dollars in the black market in Russia right now. So this gives the US massive geopolitical power. So when they're doing sanctions against Russia, essentially the first thing they're doing is they're stopping any country who uses the dollar as their secondary currency or premium currency be able to operate with uh, Russia. So this is how they can bring in sanctions very quickly. Now, sanctions take a long time to sort of impact. It doesn't happen overnight, but ultimately you're able to start to stop countries working with Russia. So if you think of someone like India, who gets most of their wheat from Russia, get most of their gas supplies from Russia, and a, a lot of their other raw, raw materials. So this is their energy and their main food substance coming from one country. Now, the US are trying to put pressure on India to stop doing business with Russia, but they can't do this because this is where they're getting their wheat and their gas from. That's why when they come out and people are talking against the war in Ukraine, yes, they want to bring peace, but they're not going to basically go out there and vote for sanctions against Russia because they need the Russian economy. So what's Russia trying to do is, well, we'll start to accept the ruble in terms of how you can actually pay for your uh, gas to us. So what's the digital yen doing that's different to everyone else out there is, well, the digital yen or the yen or China, since 2001, and they've started to real become, you know, and you're going back 21 years now, they've become really prominent in terms of they're the major trade um, partner with over 100 countries in the world. I think it's 128 countries in the world. Their number one trade partner is in China. But still, up until that point, the majority of the um, settlements in terms of people buying the goods from China is in US dollars. So US is the number one currency out there. So we've got this currency, this fiat currency. The US is the most in debt country in the world, and we're continuing to print this currency, which is obviously one of the key aspects behind high inflation. That's why the Fed's bringing out essentially increasing interest rates to try and drive down this inflation to make borrowing more money more difficult. So, you know, the Chinese yen is obviously starting to eat into the, the dollar's dominancy in the world. The difference with the digital dollar is, it's or the digital yen, it makes this ability to settle if you're going to buy Chinese products easier. So we spoke about it before, you know, to settle in dollar still goes through the traditional banking systems because it's a fiat currency and it's transferred across. Obviously, the big thing about Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies was it was this instant settling of a transaction. So you can instantly settle a transaction from A to B anywhere in the world, and it avoids banking fees and avoids international transaction fees, and ultimately avoids a lot of the currency fluctuations that happened on a daily basis as well. So if they start to move to a digital yen, so they've already set this up. So if we're talking about central digital currencies, digital yen, they say they're five years ahead of everyone else out there. So all other governments are running behind China. 
So yeah, China might want to stop everyone using Bitcoin because they see this as a threat to them in terms of doing this. But ultimately, on a global scale, they've set up this central digital yen, and this digital yen can essentially execute and settle all the transactions. Now, what they're going to see that's going to start to happen is as we move into more digital currencies, they're going to start to want to get their goods and services. Now, bearing in mind China, yeah, they're the biggest polluter in the world. They create more CO2 emissions in the world, but they are also the world's factory. So, you know, if we want steel, which, you know, to build any construction project in the world, that creates massive amount of CO2 emissions. So by us not basically manufacturing steel in your own country, which the UK and the US now no longer do to the extent they did in the past, and we go get China to do it and we ship the steel in from China, should that be our CO2 emissions or should that be China's CO2 emissions? Because we're using the end product. In the same way, they're opening coal plants in these places to manufacture the product. So they opened 171 coal plants during COVID in China, but that's to create, most of that is for industrial use and that industrial use is to make things like steel, plus all the other products that we actually buy from China, and we ship it all here. So whose CO2 emissions should that belong to? Should we just be green here, but we're happy to give China the pass because we want the goods, and it's their problem? And that's where the whole Green New Deal starts to unwind, because ultimately, well, if we're wanting to save the planet, should we not do sanctions against China for using coal production to make our product? Well, I don't really like that argument. And, you know, at the end of the day, they're going through their industrial evolution the same way we did. You know, so this thing is it's a global economy. Now everything's interlinked. And then underpinning this new global economy is digital currency. And this digital currency that's coming out there is the digital yen. Now, the digital yen, you've already seen from this article, nearly all the transactions, 22 million transactions that's happening out there, and the digital currency has been from China. It said, um, so they're transacting token in 22 million pilots. So it's a $22 million pilot that used CBDCs to settle cross-border trades. And essentially, the China's, Chinese digital currency did most of this. So they're ahead of the game already. So you're already looking at, you know, you've got guys out there essentially talking about the U.S. currency being replaced by the digital yen by 2030 as the most dominant cu currency in the world. Now, they've still got the financial powerhouses here. Yes, this is where all the lending does, with all the banks in the U.S. and the U.K., etc. But ultimately, if we start using the yen, the digital yen, to settle every single transaction we do coming out of China, then it's just automatically going to bypass the U.S. dollar. And on the back of that, you've got a place like Hong Kong, which is now making it retail friendly for crypto hubs. You know, what's that going to do? You'll have all the institutional investors, all the institutions out there. They're all going to relocate. If they cut red tape and make it easier for your institutions to operate into the crypto and digital market space from Hong Kong, which is a essentially a satellite country from China, ultimately they hit you both ways. Now they've got all the institutions. Now you've got all the corporations. Now you've got everyone else moving into uh, Hong Kong. And on the back of that, we've got this digital currency coming from China that we use on a daily basis to do settle every single transaction to the point that you go onto Amazon and everything's going to be basically priced in digital yen. And that 
is what is unbelievable, what's happening in the market space. So all these people say, oh, well, all these digital currencies, they're not going to last. All this fiat currency, it's not going to last. Fiat currency is always going to be there. It's always going to replace it. You know, two of the things I've just explained to you today, that's already in place. It's already happening. They're pushing for this. Now, why do other countries look at this? Well, other countries are currently looking at the sanctions that the U.S. have been able to use, like financial weapons. You know, Joe Biden came out, yes, we're going to use our financial weapon in terms of stopping sanctions to Russia. Here, this is the new age weapon. Well, if your reserve currency in the, your own country is like 80% plus in U.S. dollars, so essentially your own Federal Reserve is filled with U.S. dollars, you know, you're going to want to hedge your bets. You're not going to be in one one thing. It's like people investing in the market space. When they go invest in the markets, they just don't invest in one company. Most of the biggest investors spread their invest into multiple things. If you invest in cryptocurrencies, you'll invest in multiple cryptocurrencies. So when you invest, you try to spread your risk and mitigate your risk. So it's the same with governments and countries are going to start doing it with currency. Because it was great after the Second World War, because of globalization, we would all work together. We wouldn't have big wars. Now there's this war in Ukraine. So if you start to think of other countries and other governments out there, they are no going to longer want to work in terms of operating just with the US and the US currency. So where are they going to hedge their bets? Well, ultimately, if this digital yen comes along and it's their biggest trading partner, and they're going to basically cut the costs and them to be able to essentially acquire goods, borrow money from them. Everything will be settled in this currency. They'll reduce transactional fees. The whole thing will become smoother. They're going to start to use the digital yen on a daily basis more and more and more. And ultimately, you're going to hit a point whereby it's going to pass the US dollar is no longer going to be the dominant currency in the world. Now, whether you like or agree with what's happening in Ukraine, and obviously I've spoken about it before, you know, you've got Russia invading Ukraine, essentially eating part of its territory. Ultimately, you come to the US and you're looking at this and whether you're a Democrat or whether you're a Republican, you're looking at two different sides of the same coin. But ultimately, you've seen the US now start to put sanctions very quickly against Russia and anyone who wants to operate with Russia where the U.S. is a dominant fiat currency that helps supply them and they loan money to them. They no longer want to be 100% dominant on the U.S. anymore. They want to have second and third options coming in there. In the same way, India doesn't want to be. India doesn't want to be dictated by the U.S. Well, wait a minute, we no longer want you to operate and work with Russia, you know, but the, India has no choice. This is where they get all their energy supply coming in, a huge amount of it. This is where all their wheat is coming in. How can they stop working with Russia? They can't. Otherwise, they're going to sink their own economy, and their economy is growing quickly. And then they look to the trade partner with China. They're your biggest trade partner. You've got this ability to work with China, and the future is going to be the digital yen. And the digital yen, it's not... it's. You'll just hear more and more and more about it. And all these central government bank currencies that you're out there, they're, 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 if they don't create them quickly, the digital yen is just going to be so dominant that everyone's just going to use that in terms of that's the only one in the market space. 
So you understand why the US wants to do a digital dollar, UK wants to do a digital pound. They have to do it as quick as possible. Otherwise, we're all going to move to the digital yen and we'll just all use the digital yen. And that's what we'll use and go in the banking machines. That's what we'll do to buy our products. People think, oh, that's, how's that going to happen? It already happens to US dollars. When you go to a bank machine, you get to choose which currency you get out when you go abroad. You can price things in different currencies when you go in there. When you go to an airport, they tell you that. It's just like, this is just taking it to the next level. And when you go to the airport, you know, suddenly certain things, oh, well, this is duty-free. We get a little bit cheaper. You know, this is just going to cut so much red tape and regulation with this digital currency. And ultimately, the biggest manufacturer in the world, they're going to want you to use their one. Okay. Well, that's a brief one today. We'll look for upcoming guests. I hope you've learned a little bit about Hong Kong and the digital yen. My name's Alistair Caithness. Thanks very much. Have a nice day.